Take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians 3. As you're turning, I want you to see this picture on the screen. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? I don't know who that is, but I love the picture. Now, we believe that the Word is true. And the Word says that God has plans and a future for that child. Before that child was ever born, God had set in order a plan. What's interesting about God is that he starts way out here and puts his plan together for your life. He orders your days. He numbers your days. And by looking at the destiny, dream, and plan he has for you, then he works back and he creates you and you start in seed form. And in you is invested the gifts, talents, the skill set. He has wired you up so that as you grow and develop and come into a relationship with him, you can be part of the unfolding story that God has for you. It's God's dream for your life. So as you grow and as that baby would develop and grow in maturity, physically, mentally, and then spiritually, that baby begins to walk in ordered steps. You're never just living another day. It's an ordained day. This day was placed in the book of your life. This sunrise that you awaken to was put on the calendar of your dream before your parents knew you were on the way. Now what's interesting to me is to look in the word and to know the truth that there is this great dream for every one of us. But then life happens. And when life happens, the tendency is that the dream that was a huge God dream, shrinks to the size of our circumstance. We start out with this 11 by 17 dream. Life happens, it becomes 8 by 10, then 5 by 7, then it's down to the wallet size. And then as we grow and mature, few of us are still holding to the dream Believing in the dream, considering that there is a dream, and we wake up, get out of the same bed, eat the same breakfast, get in the same car, go down the same road to the same job, do the same thing, get back in the same car, go back down the same road, back into the same house, back with the same kids and the same wife or the same husband, get back in the same bed, then we get out of the same bed, go back down the same, and, and the grind gets us, and we're just part of this monotonous routine. What happened to the dream? Where the older we get, the more the dream should be growing to the size of our God, it seems the older we get, the dream shrinks to the size of our circumstance. I am preaching moving forward by the power of the dream. 
You're in an atmosphere of a dream building, dream making, dream giving God. You're in the atmosphere of a God who gives dreams, who makes those dreams come true. You're in the atmosphere of a God who can resurrect your dream, who can help you apologize to your dream, dust off your dream, and start dreaming again and realizing that your life comes from the vision, that your life is inspired by the dream. Hope rises when you're chained to an expectation. If I'm chained to despair, my dream shrinks to my circumstance, and I just get caught up in the routine. It is, it is just the, the plodding on one day after another, rather than waking up, and it's another great ordained day of which God is alive in and through me. Now, I want today to, to attack back at the enemy's efforts to rob us of the dream. In Ephesians chapter 3, we've been in this prayer now for two weeks and we're going to stay here because these are important words for us. And I'm going to focus now on verse 20. It will be our focus this morning. It will be our focus tonight. If this morning's message finds you, challenges you, I encourage you don't miss tonight because we're going to build on this. And then we'll come back in next Sunday and continue to build on what it means to allow God's dream to be alive in us, in us. He says here in verse 20, Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power that is at work within us, his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more. Capture those words. Infinitely more than we could ask or think. So nobody's dream is too big. Nobody's dream is too much. Because we are responding to a God who can do infinitely more according to the power of God at work in us. That will take the dream beyond any request or expectation that we could come up with in our mind. Other versions say that God is able to do far more. As we grow in God, as we move forward as a church, as we move forward as people, I hope we're moving into the land of far more. Do you sense that in your life? Did you wake up today saying, praise God that I am walking with the one who is leading me into far more? than I could have ever imagined? Did you wake up in the anticipation of the continuation of the infinitely more than you could ever have imagined because of the power of God that is at work in you? Is the dream in your life growing to the size of your God? Or is the dream in your life shrinking to the size of your circumstance? Please allow me to be a vessel that God uses to grab your heart until you dream again. Until you dream again. For you see, too many people have moved under the curse of the dreamless. When you are beneath the curse of the dreamless, you live frustrated. 
you wake up frustrated and your focus is on problems. And you move from one crisis to the next. There's all kind of negative drama around your life. It's as though you are hooked up to an IV of crisis. And so instead of leading a revolutionary life, you lead a reactionary life. You wake up and you react to the next problem and to the next crisis, and that creates frustration and you're chained to despair and your dream is shrinking because you're beneath the curse of the dreamless. Your language is if only. If only I had done this and if only I had made that choice and if only I had formed relationships with these people or worked at this place or gotten this degree and your language is that of if only because that is only the language of the dreamless. It's that of regret. If we can come from beneath the curse of the dreamless and join the chorus of the dreamers. Our song will change from if only to what if. What if today is the day that God has made? And what if today the miracle happens that you've been praying for? And what if God gives us a burning bush experience? What if his glory fills this place? What if he has given us the power to build the greatest church in New Testament history? What if your marriage can work? What if your family can function? What if your job can succeed? What if is the chorus of the dreamers? You move from what if to, well, why not? After all, What makes it happen is the power of God. I can't make it happen. I can't make the dreams of that child happen. But there is power that comes from God to do infinitely more, infinitely more, far more than we could ever imagine. If your prayer is for your marriage to work, God can do far more than make it work. He can make it amazing. If your prayer is that your family would function, God can do far more than just have your family function. He can have your family passionately in love with God and connected to the purposes of God and realizing the destiny of God. For why not? See, do you wake up saying, what if today is the day and why not? Because he did put the sun in the sky. He did spread the sky with his brilliance and his glory. I can't look anywhere without seeing the handiwork of God. If God can cause these trees out here to start blooming in these beautiful colors, I want to tell you, why can't he revive? Why can't he resurrect an old dead dream in my heart and put some fresh oil on it until I am dreaming again? What if? Why not? It's never too early. See, when I'm in the chorus of the dreamers, the song is, I'm not too young. 
David says, I'm not too young to kill a giant. Mary realized she was not too young to give birth to the Messiah. You're not too young. Don't let the enemy despise your youth. Don't let someone come and reign on your dream. Remember that the God who gave you that dream is the God who makes the dream happen. You're not too young. See, the chorus of the dreamers is, I'm not too young. That releases me. That wakes me up in the morning. That motivates me. The curse of the dreamless is, "Ah, I can't do it yet. I I have to wait. Uh, I'm too young. No, you're not too young to kill a giant. You are not too young to do the miracle that God has destined for you to do. And you're not too old. Abraham, hello. Realize he wasn't too old. If I'm going to move out from the curse of the dreamless to the chorus of the dreamers, what would be the process? Turn with me to Genesis 15. Genesis 15. And I want us to learn from what happened in Abraham's life so that we can join the chorus of the dreamers. Look with me at verse number five. God has said to Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations. He's given him an incredible dream. Abraham doesn't know how that will happen because he has no son and Sarah's old and he's old and he's trying to figure out how how will this happen. And so in order to join the course of the dreamers, we get the strategy. Verse number five, then the Lord took Abram outside. Everybody say outside. The Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up. Would you say look up? Look up. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed. He believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as as righteous because of his faith. I, I, I see strategy here. He said, Abraham, come outside. The context, Abraham is in that tent. He has a context He has an environment. He has an atmosphere. And God says, I want you to come outside. Now, there's not some deep theological truth going on here. It's it's quite practical. It's just as practical and simple as this. Abraham, there are things I want to show you. But I can't show them to you as long as you're in there. So come out here because you're going to see things out here you can't see in there. doesn't matter how nice your tent is or how despairing it is. There are just some things that are going to require a different environment. For environment is what God uses to cultivate the dream. You expose yourself to a new environment and allow God to do something to enlarge, expand, awaken, resurrect the dream in your heart. You got to look out before you look up. You got to look out and you have to look up and you have to look beyond. In this look out piece of the strategy It's exposing yourself to an environment, a different context where you get a new paradigm, where you have a defining moment. Now, us pastors, we live in a world where we use the language of defining moment. 
Sometimes it's overused. A defining moment is only a defining moment in to the extent that it redefines the way you've been living. We have used defining moment as a great moment, a great service, but if there's no change, if there's not a new rhythm, a new perspective, a new way of living, then it wasn't a defining moment. It was just a good moment. A defining moment leaves you changed, seeing life differently and doing life differently. So let me explain. When I grew up, let me give you my context of church. It was in a smaller town, and it seemed that in the town that most churches had a cemetery right beside the church. Does anybody remember those? Did anybody grow up in a church where there was a cemetery next door to the church? So, so that was a context I had of church. Church building, cemetery. Next lesson. There seemed to be more people in the cemetery than in the church. So my concept of church was that it was just kind of struggling along. Cemetery's doing well. People are dying to get in. And then over here, that, that was courtesy. Don't do no courtesy thing. No, just leave it at that. It was corny. Don't, don't. I'm good with that. You pay more in the tithe, you get better jokes. Anyway, uh, that was bad. That was courtesy. You're, you're in. I, I had this concept of church. It, it, was, it was to me like a low-grade fever. Along the way, that, that changed because I came into a different environment of the local church and sensed a new atmosphere. And when I came into that different environment and I exposed myself to that different environment, it changed my dream of the local church. Let me fast forward that way up to age 23 of knowing I was called of God and had just become a senior pastor. And I take a trip to Phoenix and I was exposed to the environment of that church reaching thousands that had a DNA of such compassionate love for lost people. And as I looked over their campus and I looked at the multiple ministry and the multiplying church, I never saw church the same way again. See, my dream was growing because I had placed myself in a different context where my current paradigm, where my vision could change. I remember going to Nairobi. We are going to build a church in Kenya. We were to travel out of Nairobi. We stayed one night there, and we were in a hotel that was the nicest hotel in Nairobi. Now, it wouldn't be really nice by our standards, but it was very decent. It was clean. So I'm there, and early the next morning, because, you know, your internal clock is way off, so 2 o'clock in the morning, their time, I'm wide awake. And so 5 o'clock, the sun starts rising, and I go out in the back of that hotel, and there's a patio-type area. There's a swimming pool. And then I kept walking, and I got right up to the edge of their property line because I could sense that it, it, it went down into this huge valley. And when I went to that property line and looked down in the valley, I saw 300,000 people living in 
boxes. It's an AIDS-infested area of Nairobi. Children, teenagers, young adults, adults. You could literally sense the death rising from that valley. So notice my context. Hotel where everyone's just rested well, where it's clean and you're safe. The absolute most despairing place you could ever imagine. And standing at that place in a different environment, God changed my paradigm of compassion. In the American church, it is much like the tent of Abraham. Remember, Abraham was a wealthy man. This wasn't some tent that was raggedy. This was the best you could get. There was a lot of comfort there. He was served. He was was able to just call for it and it would happen. We may have gotten so comfortable in the American church culture that until we put ourselves in a different environment, our dream for true compassion could never be realized. What fired the compassionate dream, the burden for justice in my heart, was when I exposed myself to an environment where that dream could be cultivated. So you know where I'm coming from when it comes to passionate worship. I was in the most poverty-stricken area of the island of Jamaica. Horrible conditions. Kelly and I were preaching at a church there that morning, and the people with us, we were the only ones who were driven in a car to that church. Everybody else who was there that day had walked. By 9 o'clock in the morning, it was really hot. In the church, there was no air condition. It was like an oven. They had a keyboard. It's nothing like this one. It was like one of those little Casio keyboards, and it didn't work, though they tried to play it. They had three microphones, and honestly, they would have just been better off not to even use them because they were so, so distorted and messed up, and I watched people from all over that area walk on that hot day, come into that building where there was no air condition. The bathroom was outside and up a hill. It was an outhouse, and when they started worship with the song, every time I turn around, God is blessing me, and I watched as there was Really no instrumentation that was adding to the atmosphere. There was no comfort in the room. There were no lights. There was nothing of bells and whistles. The only thing leading worship that day was burning passion for God. That was it. There was no mechanics. It wasn't human Influence and great talent and great atmosphere. Words coming off the screen when you need them. Every instrument just heard with clarity and 
and quality and excellence and teams that are dressed and they match and they're in harmony, all of which I am very thankful for. But hear me, we can forget how blessed we are. We can come into an atmosphere like this and let a worship experience pass us by. And I have to confess to you that had started happening in my life. And when I was in a different atmosphere, God showed me I didn't have a burning passion for him like they did. In my passion to put my hands together and allow my relationship with God to make it to my feet every once in a while in worship. And to express my soul, not just sing out of my intellect, but to sing from the soul. I can see it as I'm standing in front of you. Was these people in Jamaica who just went after God for God. They went after God because of love for God. They went after God because of a heart for God. Oh, my friend, with all that we have, if we could add that heart, there would be no limit to what God can do. Dream, the dream. See, I had to look out. I had to look out. I had to come out from the environment. My, my conviction and my vision for sacrificial ministry happened when I spent time with a pastor from Baghdad. It was interesting. We were ministering in Jordan, and there was a wedding, and so when you are in a church culture there and you're ministering there, whatever is happening... That's what you do because it would be inappropriate and it would be wrong to not just participate. So the pastor had a relative that was getting married. So to the wedding, we, we went. And I sit down and start talking with this man. And I'm told this is a pastor from Baghdad. They'd just gotten him out. He was put into one of Saddam Hussein's prisons for the reason of his Christianity. They had blown out the windows of his church. They had set off bombs in church vans. I'm talking intense persecution. Now he's in prison and it's a very small prison cell and they push so many prisoners in that cell nobody could sit down. So you're you're standing up 24/7 and they brought you out of the prison cell three times a day to feed you but before they fed you they would beat you. And he was beaten three times a day, tortured. And while he was in the prison cell, he started to quote the scripture that he had put in his heart. He was the only Christian in the prison cell. Everyone else was Muslim. And as the days went by, after they would be beaten or they would hear the guards coming to get them out of the cell, to beat them again, these Muslims would say to him, could you quote that scripture again? Our American forces invaded that prison, and that's why that man is out of prison today. And you know what he's done? He's gone right back into Baghdad and continues to pastor. And the Lord brought to my attention those times I've driven to church, and there would be a little overcast day. And I would wonder how that would affect our worship a few clouds temperature change that affects the American church if the wrong team wins on a Saturday 
you can sense it in the worship on Sunday. As I put myself in a different environment, it changed my dream. I must hurry. Can I have a few more minutes? He had to look out. He had to look up. He said, Abraham, look up. Count the stars. Well, that's impossible. So what is God's point in having him count the stars? It's so that he would look up to the potential of God, not to his potential. You see, he and Sarah were beyond the years of having a child. And God is saying, you're going to have a child and be the father of many nations. But you've got to look at my potential, not your potential. You have to look at what I'm able to do, not what you are able to do. The lesson in looking at the stars, you you try that tonight when you look up at the stars. No, you're looking at the stars in one galaxy, a galaxy of, of a billion other galaxies with a billion stars. You see, God is able to do it infinitely more. Infinitely more than we could ask or imagine according to the power that is at work in us. I've got to get this. I feel like I have a word. I feel like I have a word for us. Whenever you get discouraged, you you are pulled down in your focus. Discouragement brings you down. Encouragement and dreaming lifts you up. The devil has attacked you. He has attacked this church. There are many ripple effects of the kind of attack you have gone through. But hear me, one significant effort of the enemy was to take your eyes off of God's dream for this church and put your eyes on discouragement until the language becomes, do you think we'll make it? Will we get through this? And if we aren't careful... We will have the residue or even the very real spirit of fear and discouragement because our vision has been pulled from the dream and the dream is now shrunk to the size of the circumstance. I've never seen Psalm 121 the way I see it now. This is as fresh as driving here this morning and processing this word. It says, I will lift what? I will lift, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So I'm lifting my eyes to the God who can do anything, for whom nothing is impossible. But the psalm goes on to say that he watches over me, He watches me as I'm coming out and as I'm going in. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's watching over me as I sleep. And then when I wake up and go, he's watching over the going. Then it says, the Lord is my keeper. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. And I've always looked at that psalm as just, he's going to protect me. I've even prayed it, Lord, over my kids. Keep them, keep them, keep them. Maybe that psalm is about the dream. Because life comes from the vision. If we have no vision, we... So Satan takes my eyes from the dream to the discouragement in order to completely defeat me 
And what we learn of God in Psalm 121 is that God is the steward, not of just inhaling and exhaling, but of the dream. When I lift my eyes to God, I'm lifting my eyes to the greatest dreamer who spoke words and light and life. And the word light that he spoke is still traveling at about 186,000 miles per second. Woo! You lift your eyes to God. Satan threatened our dream. He attacked our dream. But this message is to declare to you by the word of the Lord. The dream is not dead, and the dream is not over, and the dream is not diminished, for our God is still building His church. 